The year uh, was 1956. How many of you were alive in 1956? Look around all the old people. All right. The occasion was a reception for Western ambassadors being held in, you guys help me how to pronounce this. Is it Moscow? I'm not talking about our neighbors. Russia. Moscow or Moscow? All right. Then I'll go with Moscow. And reception for Western ambassadors being held in Moscow. The speaker was Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev. And while addressing this group of distinguished leaders, he used a phrase which translated into English meant, we will bury you. At that point in time, you may remember um, the Union of Soviet Republics, otherwise known as the USSR, uh, really at that point it reached its, its zenith. It measured one-sixth of the world's land mass, which would have been about two and a half times the size of the United States. Its mastery of science and military technology had allowed the Russians to forge ahead of American progress. It was only a year later, 1957, and again, some of you will remember this, uh, that the first satellite, anybody remember what the name of it was? Sputnik. Sputnik was launched and made, as it were, a victory lap around the very planet that some felt would be overrun by Soviet communism. Fast forward now, uh, about 35 years or so, 1991-1992, that same proud communist government lay in ruins. One more casualty of political arrogance. We're, we're getting somewhere, so stay with me. And there were a lot of factors that led to the eventual demise of the USSR. But historians agree that one of the largest contributing factors was the incredible personal corruption of government officials. They used their positions to line their own pockets rather than serve the people. And little by little, their explo exploitation of the, of the system weakened the foundations until the entire edifice teetered and collapsed from the inside. Now, in verses 8 and 9 of Ecclesiastes chapter 5, Solomon lets us know that political corruption is nothing new. 
and that we should never, listen, we should never be surprised to find that the great palace of state always has a termite problem. And I would venture to guess that that could be said about government on just about every single level. Look at verses 8 and 9. If thou seest the oppression of the poor, and violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province, marvel not at the matter. For he that is higher than the highest regardeth, and there there be higher than they. Moreover, the prophet of the earth is for all. The king himself is served by the field. So we didn't have time together tonight. I want us to consider three things. Number one, government and its rank corruption. Number two, God and his rightful control. And then number three, the godly, that's us, and their righteous contribution. So let's start here tonight. Government and its rank corruption. Should we poke our nose too far into government? And again, I'm going to say that this is probably true on every level. Were you and I to go poking around Um, and get too far into government, we're liable to find more than we bargained for. I think the amount of graft and injustice and exploitation would be incredibly great. We would all do well to maintain a what should I say, a a certain level of realistic pessimism. Uh, Because all human institutions fall prey to corruption. And because of the presence of wealth and power, governments are especially prone to it. Let me tell you why I know for a fact that that statement is true. It's because of what I read in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 about how the heart is deceitful above all things, Jeremiah said, and desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. Now listen, I praise the Lord tonight for honest, upright, God-fearing politicians. I really do, honestly, I do. But they too are only human and prone to sin just as anyone else. Their humanity notwithstanding I am a a firm believer, I mean a a rock-solid firm believer in supporting men and women who do their best to govern in light of, thus saith the Lord. 
I think we ought to back and support uh, the best we can anyone who tries to govern according to the Word of God. I really believe that. And I think we need to use the political system to get rid of those who do not govern according to the Word of God. I have one vote. And I cast it every year, every opportunity I have. And to the best of my knowledge, I cast it for those who govern according to the Word of God, and I refuse to cast it for anyone who does not govern according to the Word of God. I do, I do not, and you do what you want, I do not vote according to my pocketbook. I just don't. What it does to my taxes is irrelevant to me with, in, with, when in comparison to what it does, for example, to unborn babies. I'll pay more taxes if it means saving more babies' lives. I mean, I just will. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to allow the economy to, to dictate how I vote. I just won't do it. You do what you want to do. But again, I think we ought to support those who try to govern according to the Word of God. Now, whether they realize it or not, and we're going to look at some scripture here tonight, whether they realize it or not, government leaders are actually an extension of the hand of God on earth to carry out His will. Now, many of you know, know these scriptures, but, but some may not. Let's go to the book of Romans Chapter 13 tonight. Book of Romans and chapter 13. For example, look at verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Verse 4. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. And then look at the last part uh, of verse 6. For they are God's what church what ministers they are god's ministers attending continually upon this very thing we get all up in arms about governmental corruption and i think we should but at the same time we should not be too shocked when we hear about it shouldn't be like Solomon wasn't surprised by it, and we shouldn't be surprised by it, because man's heart is deceitfully wicked, deceitfully wicked. The failings of governments are nothing more than the failings of men. Anyone who is foolish enough to put their, his trust in government is surely bound to be disappointed. Oh, 
look who our governor is. Look who our president is. Look at, don't put your confidence in a human. You're going to be sadly, sadly disappointed on all levels. I'll move on. I think we should appreciate the good things that government does. I really do. But our ultimate, listen church, our ultimate hope for protection and salvation is in God who never disappoints, ever. Which brings us to this, God and his rightful control. When we speak of God's rightful control, we can, we, can think of it, we can think of it this way. God's hands behind the headlines. Does that make sense? God's hands behind the headlines. A preacher named T. DeWitt Talmadge once said this. Despots may plan and armies may march, and the congresses of the nations may seem to think they are adjusting all the affairs of the world, but the mighty men of the earth are only the dust of the chariot wheels of God's providence. I love that. They are but the dust of the chariot wheels of God's providence. And what do we mean when we, when we use the word providence? We're speaking of the belief that God will have his way in the end. It's God's providence. God's sovereign. God's providence is the fact that he will have his way in the end. And I firmly believe tonight that God guides the course of history toward his appointed ends. If you've been with us in our fellowship Bible classes on Sunday morning, uh, we've been studying end time events. And um, just mark it down. All of the alliances that are being formed around the earth pro this and against this and for America and against America. Just mark it down. That is God's providence. That is God's hands behind the headlines. Putting the pieces into place for the things that we've been studying. We're about to, uh, we're about to get into the battle of Armageddon. Those, those armies just don't by chance come together. They are the result of God's providence. I've been trying to sort out in my mind how all of this stuff with Turkey is, how all of this is fitting in. You've got these people teaming up with, uh, with the Muslims. You've got these people teaming up with Russia. And you've got, I'm telling you folks, it's all coming together. It's all coming together. And it's God's hands behind the headlines. Benjamin Franklin. There's debate on whether Benjamin Franklin was a, 
a Christian or whether he was just a deist. I don't know. Uh, I, he was at least a deist. He did believe in, 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 in something other than man. Um, but he said this, the longer I live, uh, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, and it seemed like to me a deist wouldn't use the word God, but that God governs in the affairs of men. Let me show you a couple of scriptures. Psalm 22. Uh, let's go there, and then we're going to go to Proverbs 8. So if you happen upon Proverbs 8 on your way to Psalm 22, mark that. And look at Psalm 22. Psalm 22 and verse 28, God governs in the affairs of men. We're talking, uh, we're talking about God and his rightful control. Look at verse 28, for the kingdom is the Lord's and he is the governor among the nations. Now I know that every nation has its leader, but the truth of the matter is ultimately it's God. And then look at Proverbs chapter 8, verse 15. God said, by me kings reign, and princes decree justice. By me princes rule, and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. Now listen, nothing catches God by surprise. And that includes the goings-on in the halls of government. Oh, I can't believe they did that. God can. God saw it. God knew it. God's not surprised by it. But listen to me tonight. He's still in control. I know sometimes you look at this earth and think, wow, this thing is just out of control. No, it's not. Not at all. It's not out of control. It's all under God's control. And there's no, listen, there's no reason to think that his divine authority ends at the capital steps. Amen. Or at the steps of the courthouse. Or at the steps of city hall. There's no reason to believe that. Um, now, I will be the first to admit uh, that I don't understand sometimes why God allows men and women in government to do the things they do. And he's like, God, won't you just, won't you just zap them? I and mean, some of the outrageous things they say about murdering innocent babies in the womb. It just blows my mind. God, how can you let them say that and live? I'm surprised sometimes at what they do, and I'm surprised certainly by what they say, especially since they're serving at His pleasure. But then again, that's why he's God, and I'm not. 
Amen? Let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We're going to look at a couple of things here, and then we're, going to, we're actually going to spend a little time tonight in prayer um, for our leaders, which I think is a good thing to do. But look at uh, the godly, that's us, and our contribution of righteousness to this world, and, and even in the realm of government. Look at it, you know these verses. Verse 13, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, Wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. You're the light of the world. So we're the salt of the earth. He says in verse 14, we're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and It giveth light unto all that are in the house. And then he said this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. They, uh, most of you know, uh, Vice President Mike Pence will not allow himself to be in a room alone with another woman. And he has caught so much flack because of that. It's, just, it's unbelievable. Well, it happens all the time. Not in his house. I mean, he's just trying to do right. And, I mean, he's gotten all kinds of flack about that. Our influence, listen, our influence as salt and light is to extend to every realm of society, including the political realm. The Bible is clear as to our responsibilities as Christians, and, I, and I'm not making a political statement tonight with what I'm about to say. I'm just being honest with you. Now, Mr. O'Rourke doesn't have a snowball's chance to be elected president. But what he said about removing the tax-exempt status of religious organizations is dangerous. Now, he's not, he's, he, listen, he's not smart enough to, uh, let me just say, he didn't think of that on his own. <laughs> that has been in the works for years, and years, and years. That, they have been threatening to do that for years. But that's, that's really the first time it surfaced on that big a level in a long time. Now, I'll not be the pastor here whenever they start pushing in that direction. 
But I hope that the man who is will have guts enough to still preach the word of God. Because right is right and wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter what the government says. We'll look at that in a minute. Now there will be a lot of churches, be a lot of churches who cave and give in to that and it will just make churches like this one who refuse to cave in to compromise the word of God, it will just make us look even worse. I mean, let's face it, there are a lot of liberal churches, not speaking of Kansas, but just a lot of liberal denominations out there who have already caved to the gay and lesbian agenda. And that's too bad for them. But I hope and pray that in the future, the man who occupies that pulpit, whether it's my son or whether it's years after that and it's somebody else, is still preaching the Word of God. Our influence is to be is to be felt in every area of, of our government. Let me tell you a couple of things we are to do. We are to pray for our officials. And I'll just be honest tonight, I don't pray for them like I should. I don't think I'm probably the only person here. That's why we're going to do it tonight. Because we're supposed to. Here's what it said. I exhort therefore, 1 Timothy 1. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Look at it. For kings and for all that are in authority. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So number one, we are to pray for those in leadership. Number two, we are to be good citizens. First Peter chapter 2, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Not because you like it. You're doing it for the Lord's sake. Whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. In obeying the ordinances of man, we are in effect serving God. Now, I'll be the first to admit that it's easy to grow cynical towards the government and those who work in it. Help me out here. Is that an amen? It's easy to grow cynical. But we would do well to respect them, honor them, and obey them. And we would do just as well to teach our children to do the same. All of that being said, go to the book of Acts chapter 4. All of that being said, 
we should not be afraid to take a stand for God when our government clearly defies Him and His Word. Let me show you Acts chapter 4 verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, he said, Judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. At the end of the day, they said, listen, whether you, whether you think we ought to obey God more than we ought to obey, obey men, you, that's your call. But here's what I'm telling you. We've got to preach the word. And then look at verse, or chapter 5, verse 26. Then went the captain with the officers and, and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that ye should not teach in his name? In other words, haven't we already told you to quit talking about Jesus? You need, to, you need to stop that. And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Church, at the end of the day, that's a call to all of us to obey God rather than men. There are a lot of things tonight that we can do to make our government better. No doubt about it. But by no means should we expect some kind of governmental utopia to come. It's just not going to happen. Heaven on earth cannot be established in a ballot box. But only through the hearts of men. Now one day, there will be a heaven on earth. Absolutely. But until then, we should not be surprised by the next political scandal that hits the headlines. Because the truth is, whatever the next one is, it won't be the last one. And the one after that won't be the last one. You know why? Because men's hearts are deceitfully wicked. Yours, mine, and everybody else.
that's walking on the face of the earth. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked. And wicked hearts are going to do what wicked hearts do. They do wicked things. So don't be surprised. 